0: section five of elia and the last essays of elia this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by adrian stevens elia and the last essays of elia by charles lamb new year's eve every man hath two birthdays two days at least in every year which set him upon revolving the lapse of time as it affects his mortal duration the one is that which in an especial manner he termeth his in the gradual desuetude of old observances this custom of solemnizing our proper birthday hath nearly passed away or is left to children who reflect nothing at all about the matter nor understand anything in it beyond cake and orange but the birth of a new year is of an interest too wide to be pretermitted by king or cobbler no one ever regarded the first of january with indifference it is that from which all date their time and count upon what is left it is the nativity of our common adam of all sounds of all bells bells the music nighest bordering upon heaven most solemn and touching is the peal which rings out the old ear i never hear it without a gathering up of my mind to a concentration of all the images that have been diffused over the past twelve months, all I have done or suffered, performed or neglected, in that regretted time. I begin to know its worth, as when a person dies. It takes a personal colour, nor was it a poetical flight in a contemporary, when he exclaimed, "'I saw the skirts of the departing year!' it is no more than what in sober sadness every one of us seems to be conscious of in that awful leave-taking i am sure i felt it and all felt it with me last night though some of my companions affected rather to manifest an exhilaration at the birth of the coming year than any tender regrets for the decease of its predecessor but i am none of those who welcome the coming speed the parting guest i am naturally beforehand shy of novelties new books new faces new years from some mental twist which makes it difficult in me to face the prospective i have almost ceased to hope and am sanguine only in the prospects of other former years i plunge into foregone visions and conclusions i encounter pell-mell with past disappointments i am armour-proof against old discouragements i forgive or overcome in fancy old adversaries i play over again for love as the gamesters phrase it games for which i once paid so dear i would scarce now have any of those untoward accidents and events of my life reversed i would no more alter them than the incidents of some well-contrived novel methinks it is better that i should have pined away seven of my goldenest years when i was thrall to the fair hair and fairer eyes of alice w n than so passionate a love adventure should be lost it was better that our family should have missed that legacy which old dorrell cheated us of than that i should have at this moment two thousand pounds in banco and be without the idea of that specious old rogue in a degree beneath manhood it is my infirmity to look back upon those early years do i advance a paradox when i say that skipping over the intervention of forty years a man may have leave to love himself without the imputation of self-love if i know aught of myself no one whose mind is introspective and mine is painfully so can have a less respect for his present identity than i have for the man ellier i know him to be light and vain and humoursome and notorious deleted addicted to deleted a verse from counsel neither taking it nor offering it deleted besides a stammering buffoon what you will lay it on and spare not i subscribe to it all much more than thou canst be willing to lay at his door but for the child Elia, that other me there in the background i must take leave to cherish the remembrance of that young master with as little reference i protest to this stupid changeling of five-and-forty as if it had been a child of some other house and not of my parents i can cry over its patient smallpox at five and rougher medicaments i can lay its poor fevered head upon the sick pillow at christ's and wake with it in surprise at the gentle posture of maternal tenderness hanging over it that unknown had watched its sleep i know how it shrank from the least colour of falsehood god help thee helia how art thou changed thou art sophisticated i know how honest how courageous for a weakling it was how religious how imaginative how hopeful from what i have not fallen if the child i remember was indeed myself and not some dissembling guardian presenting a false identity to give the rule to my unpractised steps and regulate the tone of my moral being that i am fond of indulging beyond a hope of sympathy in such retrospection may be the symptom of some sickly idiosyncrasy or is it owing to another cause simply that being without wife or family i have not learned to project myself enough out of myself and having no offspring of my own to dally with I turn back upon memory and adopt my own early idea as my heir and favourite. If these speculations seem fantastical to thee, reader, a busy man, perchance, if I tread out of the way of thy sympathy and am singularly conceited only, I retire, impenetrable to ridicule, under the phantom cloud of Elia. The elders with whom I was brought up of a character not likely to let slip the sacred observance of any old institution and the ringing out of the old year was kept by them with circumstances of peculiar ceremony in those days the sound of those midnight chimes though it seemed to raise hilarity in all around me never failed to bring a train of pensive imagery into my fancy yet i then scarce conceived what it meant or thought of it as a reckoning that concerned me not childhood alone but the young man till thirty never feels practically that he is mortal he knows it indeed and if need were he could preach a homily on the fragility of life but he brings it not home to himself any more than in a hot june we can appropriate to our imagination the freezing days of december but now shall i confess a truth i feel these audits but too powerfully i begin to count the probabilities of my duration and to grudge at the expenditure of moments and shortest periods like miser's farthings in proportion as the years both lessen and shorten i set more count upon their periods and would fain lay my ineffectual finger upon the spoke of the great wheel i am not content to pass away like a weaver's shuttle those metaphors solace me not nor sweeten the unpalatable draught of mortality i care not to be carried with the tide that smoothly bears human life to eternity and reluct at the inevitable course of destiny i am in love with this green earth the face of town and country the unspeakable rural solitudes and the sweet security of streets would set up my tabernacle here i am content to stand still at the age to which i am arrived i and my friends to be no younger no richer no handsomer i do not want to be weaned by age or drop like mellow fruit as they say into the grave any alteration on this earth of mine in diet or in lodging puzzles and discomposes me my household gods plant a terrible fixed foot and are not rooted up without blood they do not willingly seek lavinian shores a new state of being staggers me sun and sky and breeze and solitary walks and summer holidays and the greenness of fields and the delicious juices of meats and fishes and society and the cheerful glass and candlelight and fireside conversations and innocent vanities and jests and irony itself do these things get out with life can a ghost laugh or shake his gaunt sides when you're pleasant with him and you my midnight darlings my folios must i part with the intense delight of having you huge armfuls in my embraces must knowledge come to me if it come at all by some awkward experiment of intuition and no longer by this familiar process of reading shall i enjoy friendships there wanting the smiling indications which point me to them here the recognizable face the sweet assurance of a look in winter this intolerable disinclination to dying to give it its mildest name does more especially haunt and beset me in a genial august noon beneath a sweltering sky death is almost problematic at those times do such poor snakes as myself enjoy an immortality then we expand and burgeon then we are as strong again as valiant again as wise again and a great deal taller the blast that nips and shrinks me puts me in thoughts of death all things allied to the insubstantial wait upon that master feeling cold numbness Dreams perplexity, moonlight itself, with its shadowy and spectral appearances, that cold ghost of the sun, or Phoebus's sickly sister, like that innutritious one denounced in the canticles, I am none of her minions. I hold with a Persian, whatsoever thwarts or puts me out of my way, brings death into my mind, or partial evils like humours run into that capital plague sore! i have heard some profess an indifference to life such hail the end of their existence as a port of refuge and speak of the grave as of some soft arms in which they may slumber as on a pillow some have wooed death but out upon thee i say thou foul ugly phantom i detest abhor execrate and with friar john give thee to six score thousand devils as in no instance to be excused or tolerated but shunned as a universal viper to be branded prescribed and spoken evil of in no way can i be brought to digest thee thou thin melancholy privation or more frightfully and confounding positive these antidotes prescribed against the fear of thee are altogether frigid and insulting like thyself for what satisfaction hath a man that he shall lie down with kings and emperors in death who in his lifetime never greatly coveted the society of such bedfellows or forsooth that so shall the fairest face appear why to comfort me must alice w n be a goblin more than all i conceive disgust at these impertinent and misbecoming familiarities inscribed upon your ordinary tombstones every dead man must take upon himself to be lecturing me with his odious truism that such as he is now i must shortly be not so shortly friend perhaps as thou imaginest in the meantime i am alive i move about i am worth twenty of these know thy betters thy new year's days are past i survive a jolly candidate for eighteen twenty one another cup of wine and while that turncoat bell that just now mournfully chanted the obsequies of eighteen twenty departed with changed notes lustily rings in a successor let us attune to its peal the song made on a like occasion by hearty cheerful mr cotton the new year hark the cock crows and yon bright star tells us the day himself's not far and see where breaking from the night he gilds the western hills with light with him old janus doth appear peeping into the future year with such a look as seems to say the prospect is not good that way thus do we rise ill sights to see and gainst ourselves to prophecy when the prophetic fear of things a more tormenting mischief brings more full of soul tormenting gall than direst mischiefs can befall but stay but stay methinks my sight better informed by clearer light discerns sereneness in that brow that all contracted seemed but now his reversed face may show distaste and frown upon the ills a past but that which this way looks is clear and smiles upon the new-born year he looks too from a place so high the year lies open to his eye and all the moments open are to the exact discoverer yet more and more he smiles upon the happy revolution why should we then suspect or fear the influences of a year so smiles upon us the first morn and speaks us good so soon as born plague aren't? the last was ill enough this cannot but make better proof or at the worst as we brushed through the last why so may we this too and then the next in reason should be super excellently good for the worst ills we daily see have no more perpetuity than the best fortunes that do fall which also bring us wherewithal longer their being to support than those do of the other sort and who has one good year in three and yet repines at destiny appears ungrateful in the case and merits not the good he has then let us welcome the new guest with lusty brimmers of the best mirth always should good fortune meet and renders e'en disaster sweet and though the princess turn her back let us line ourselves with sack we better shall by far hold out till the next year she face about how say you reader do not these verses smack of the rough magnanimity of the old english vein do they not fortify like a cordial enlarging the heart and productive of sweet blood and generous spirits in the concoction where be those puling fears of death just now expressed or affected passed like a cloud absorbed in the purging sunlight of clear poetry Clean washed away by a wave of genuine helicon, your only spar for these hypochondries, and now another cup of the generous, and a merry new year, and many of them to you all, my masters. End of section five.